3, 1 John chapter 4 really is. Um, it talks so much about the love of God, how He loves us, how we are to love one another, how we are to love Him, uh, the, the whole thing. And so this is not, by the way, some sort of lovey, squishy, mushy-gooshy, puppy dog, warm fuzzy kind of love, okay? That sounds nice, but that's not what we're dealing with here. What we're dealing with is a true, sacrificial, God-centered love first. If we do not have the, our love for the Lord at the center of everything and a knowledge of Him, then we will not be able to truly love one another in the way in which we are commanded to do so. Uh, let's read here, though, verse 7 uh, through 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Now there's a, a whole lot of sermons in these short few passages, but I want us to begin here in verses 7 and 9 this morning, and we'll see how far we, we can go. Um, at the source of love, verses 7 to 9. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. Here, this is something that is not new. It is not groundbreaking. It is not reinventing the wheel. What John has done this whole entire letter to these believers is he has gone back to the very basic things of what Christ has taught. I believe that it would do us good, especially those of us who have walked with the Lord for decade after decade after decade, that we would return back to the simplicity of the gospel, to the simplicity of Jesus' teaching, we never outgrow the gospel. We never outgrow the good news that Jesus died for sinners and rose again the third day to, to offer eternal life to all who believe. We, we never outgrow that. Not only do we need the gospel for our salvation, but we need the gospel for our sanctification. Now, here what John has been dealing with a lot is that sanctifying walk of growing more and more like Christ, to be more Christ-like each day. There's not a soul in here this morning who would say, I don't want to be more like Jesus. All of us would say, I want to be more like Jesus. We would all say like John the Baptist, that I must decrease, he must increase. Right? We would all have that. Yet, oftentimes what happens is that we get bogged down in the world, we get bogged down in the things of the world, or we have walked with the Lord so long that we grow so accustomed to His goodness that it no longer amazes us, that we grow so... Um, accustomed to His grace and His mercy in our life that we kind of lose that joy as we walk along. If anything should be taking place in the Christian life is that as we get older, we should be more loving, more joyful, have more peace, have more confidence, more assurance. But what often happens is we get saved, we're all riled up and excited about what God has done, we're changed, we're a new creature, a new creation in Christ, we have a new heart, if you will, a new focus, a new goal, and then fast forward, about 30, 40 years later, we've had church hurt, we've had problems in life, uh, we've had ups and downs, and now here we find ourselves where we're not really that high on the mountain for Jesus, we're not really that low, but we're in this terrible, dangerous place of just barely existing for the cause of Christ. We're just kind of barely existing and, and barely even living our life. We don't really have the ups and the downs of our spiritual life. We're just kind of coasting along in this sort of apathetic state where we don't care near as much as we used to, nor as much as we should. Now here, John gets to the very basic things where he says, 
Beloved, let us love one another. It doesn't get more Sunday school and more simple than that. Jesus loves us. Jesus tells us to love other people. Jesus tells us to love Him. Right? It's that Sunday school sort of simplicity, but yet we lose that along the way. Here, David Guzik writes, he says, the ancient Greek sentence begins in a striking way. Agapetoi, agepomen, those who are loved, let us love, is what that renders down to. We are not commanded to love one another to earn or become worthy of God's love. We love one another because we are loved by God and have received that love and live in light of it. We have the misunderstanding about love, first of all, of what love is. We often equate love with the way that the world does, right? It's the warm fuzzies, it's the tinglys, it's the no, I love you more, no, I love you more. It's the no, you hang up first, no, you hang up first, right? That's nice, right? But that lasts about that long, don't it, right? Love and real love is sacrifice and action, and real love lasts a whole lot longer than this. It is for a lifetime. But the only way that we can love one another, the only way that we can understand what love is, is when we look to God, and as we're going to see here in just a moment, because love is of God, and then in verse 8, God is love. Right? We, we see these things, how it brings it all together, the simplicity about who God is. I want you to know, I am all about understanding and preaching the attributes of God. I'm all about absolutely that God is holy, God is just, God is righteous, God is even wrathful. Uh, all of these different things about God, but God is love. Now, to understand the depths and the heights of this is, is truly uh, impossible. Uh, it is so deep, so wide. We can never exhaust the love of God, but I believe that we are called to meditate upon the love of God. And is there anything more comforting to the believer who is struggling in their walk with Christ to remember the simplicity that God loves us and that we are called then to love one another? And the way in which we love one another is to love the same way that God has loved us, and that is unconditionally and sacrificially, not expecting to gain anything out of it whatsoever, but to love just because love is of God and love is good. Now, love, though, is only natural to those who have and love in the Spirit of God, meaning those who are born again. If you are not born again, you don't know what real love is. Right? You might have been married and in love, for a long time before you got saved. But I want you to know, you didn't understand true love until you did get saved. And the reason why is not because you didn't really love your wife or your spouse before you were saved, right? That sort of thing, okay? But what I'm talking about here is to understand true love, true love is only found in the Lord. Now, John emphasizes love throughout his, his writings here. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, he says, um, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now that's important because just at the beginning of chapter number 1, or towards the end rather, it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then over in chapter 4 we see God is love. The love and light of God, it is the essence of who God is. But furthermore, it is not just who God is, but it is how He expresses Himself. It is how He reveals Himself to us. And so He tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9-11, through 11, uh, about what real love looks like, and that to not really have a true love for somebody is really actually to hate somebody, and that we would not be in the light of God if we do not have the love. 
It, it both are, are like hand in hand. You will not have one without the other. Then in chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 10 through 18, the whole end of that chapter uh, deals with this, about loving your brother, um, that we should love one another. So now as we come to 1 John 4, verse 7, and he says, Beloved, let us love one another. The idea is let us begin to love each other and keep loving each other. Now, let me ask you, if you're a parent here this morning, you had kids growing up, and guess what? Kids do bad things sometimes, don't they, right? I'm sure maybe, not, maybe all you guys just had perfect little angelic kids with little halos and wings, I don't know, but probably not. They were probably like you. They were probably like me. And they made mistakes. When they made a mistake, did your love change for them? Did it? All right, y'all's participation time here. Y'all are scaring me. If your kids watch this, they're going to look at y'all not shaking your heads. They're going to think you, you stopped loving them for a minute. Right? You didn't stop loving them, right? Even in when you disciplined them. Why did you discipline them? Because you have a love for them. And so it is continued. True love continues on. So when he says to love one another... It is not the idea of love each other on Sunday morning when you shake each other's hands, see each other. Hey, love you, brother. Love you, sister. Good to see you. Right? Or maybe you pass each other in food line or, or Dollar General and you say the same thing, but then after you say it and they walk away and you mumble under your breath like, right? We have those things, don't we? Right? We have a bad attitude about somebody. We will say we love them to their face and then behind their back we will tell everybody about how we don't really like them or how they dress funny or have a distinct odor or how they sat in the wrong spot at church, or how they sang off-key during the, during the congregational hymn, right? That's not real love, is it? No. To love one another means that we have to know one another. Right? You love your children, or spouse, or friends, or family, and, and have even different depths of love in regards to them. You know why? Because you have different depths of relationship. So if... John here, and really through the Lord, is, is saying love one another. He's saying we've got to know one another. How can I... Now, you say, well, we're supposed to love the world. Okay, sure, absolutely. Let me ask you, do you love the stranger who is a pagan pygmy in New Guinea as much as you love your spouse? No. No. You might love them enough to send a missionary, send money, send support, pray for them, maybe that they would come to know the Lord. But there's a difference between that and your spouse. Why? Because there is a relationship. We must know one another. Now, first of all, as believers in Christ, you have already in an immediate depth of relationship that you have both passed from death into life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is a depth of love that should be there because you both love the Lord and the Lord loves you. And love truly does cover a multitude of sins and faults and failures, doesn't it? Right? If you've been married longer than about, I don't know, three hours, you should know this. Right? If you've had kids longer than two minutes, you know this. Right? Now Thatcher continues, he says, 1 John chapter 4 insists that the Spirit's presence can only be demonstrated by orthodox doctrine and perfect love. Regrettably for the Antichrist, perfect love is love that follows the pattern of God's love shown in the incarnation of Jesus, a doctrine they reject. Even if the Antichrist act in a way that, from a worldly perspective, appears to be loving, perfect love can be shown only by those who accept John's witness. Now, I put this in there for you for a reason, because we have to be reminded who's John writing to. Why is John writing? 
John has been writing to these believers to give them sort of an apologetic, meaning an understanding of what they believe, why they believe it, how to live it out, how to communicate that. But specifically, he's been writing to help them be assured of their salvation in the middle of a whole wave of people leaving the Christian community who are following Gnosticism to one degree or another. And so what he has shown is he says these Gnostics, these people who are Antichrist or have followed the Antichrist spirit, as we've already talked about um, in, in the previous weeks and early in chapter 4, is that they, they have gone from the faith and they've done so because they don't truly know the love of God nor do they love one another. If you want to know, probably the two biggest tests of salvation is a real love for God and a real love for people. Right? It has to be there. If you truly love God, you will truly love people. But you can fake this and get by with it with people, but you can't fake this and get by with it from God. Right? Now here we have to understand that as we learn Scripture, as we submit to the Spirit, as we try and test the Spirit, as He had just said in the previous six verses, and then we understand who we are, that we are of the Spirit, that we are of God because we follow Him, we are led of Him, we know Him, we're growing in the knowledge of the Word that He has given to us, that learning leads to loving. Now, one, spiritually speaking, the more that we know about Christ, the more that we love Christ. You ever thought about that? The more that you learn about Jesus, what should be taking place? The more you should love Him. Why? Because the more you know about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you, it should be, if you are saved, a natural outflow, a natural pouring into you going, well, man, look how good Jesus is. Just as a person, let alone the performance of His work in my life of salvation and sanctification, and one day to be glorified and to walk with Him, I mean, look how good Jesus is. This is why those who are elder saints should never be marked as someone who is bitter, as someone who is divisive, as someone who is cold or uh, hardened or unloving. Those who have known Christ the longest, we should look and go, they love the Lord and they love people. That's what it should come down to. See, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is a mark of genuine Christianity. You can fake it, but you can't make it. Real love is real love, and there is a huge difference. And we have a generation today that is looking for something that is very real, very authentic. Young people are not stupid. They might have been uh, addicted to technology from an early age. They might have an awful lot of setbacks and things. But I want you to know that young people today are incredibly smart, and they are looking for something today that is true, that is trustworthy because they live in a world that does not offer them truth and does not offer them trust. They have nowhere, it seems, they feel like they can't trust anybody, they can't trust their friends, they don't know how to make real friends, uh, they, they have no real truth in their life, it seems, so they're spinning around looking, and they're looking to find something that is real. And I want you to know, what should be real in our life is love for God and love for one another. You know what would immediately turn somebody off from wanting to come to this church is if when they walk in the back door and they do not see love amongst the people, they do not see love towards God in worship, and they do not feel an ounce of love as a visitor. Right Now, praise God, we haven't had that to my knowledge, but I want us to make sure that we, as we grow to know God more, and the longer that we follow Him, that we make sure that we are growing in a love 
not just in a knowledge, but growing in a real love for God. Now, the reason why we do so is he says, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he had just said in verses, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, he said, let's see here, two, three times that we are of God. So if we are of God, then that must mean as well that we are of love, aren't we? Because he says, for love is of God. It is from him. God is the source of love. And this passage, as we go forward, is going to go into the depths of God's love, both in its character and its expression, all the way through the end of this chapter, by the way. I have here God is the source of love, right? We don't know love outside of him being the source of it. He's the one that gives it, demonstrates it, shows it. He is love. Jesus is love incarnate. Then what we find is this. Not only is God the source of love, but He's the sustainer of love. God not only loved you when He saved you or created you in your mother's womb, but God loves you now. God loved you even in the middle when you were full of sin. You know that Jesus, even as He's dying on the cross, is doing so as He loves those who have spat upon Him, who have cursed Him, who have beaten Him, who have uh, mocked Him, who have caused Him this anguish physically. He still loves them. He sustains His love. And in His sustaining love, God's love is not like you and I, right? God does not change. You and I change like the weather here in Carroll County, right? One day it's hot, next day it's cold, it's snowing, it's raining, it's, you know, a tornado even. I mean, the whole thing, right? But God does not change. This gives us hope and assurance because Because God does not change and because love is of God, that means that there is nothing that you and I will ever do or could ever do that will make Him love us less or ever make Him love us more because you and I never earned God's love. It was just already there. Much like to those of you, and I go back to this, the moment your child was born, right? Or the moment someone you love came into the world or that came into your life, you naturally loved them, didn't you? Right? That baby hadn't done anything yet when it came into this world, except for be naked and slimy and crying and screaming. And yet you loved that little thing, didn't you? Right? Most beautiful little thing you ever did see. And you had such a deep love that you could never even just follow up. And that baby hadn't done nothing yet. You just loved. Even before you saw the baby come out, there was love. Your child didn't earn your love. Gave the love. Even before that child entered in this world. And so for us as believers, when we understand this, that our Heavenly Father who has birthed us, if you will, through the precious blood of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, regenerating our hearts, bringing from us from, us from death to life, is that we've been born again into His family, but long before we even made a new creature in Christ, He loved us then. Even in the middle of our sinfulness even in the middle of our rebellion, that there was a love that was drawing us unto Himself so that He might fully and finally express His love to us so that then we might express it to each other. But He is also the sender of love. He sends love to His believers when we often need it the most. You ever had that time where the Holy Spirit is about the only friend you got, but in that moment lifts your spirit right up? Not because of anything that you've done or who you are or anybody else, but simply because the Holy Spirit reminds us and points us back to the cross. The Holy Spirit reminds us of who God is. 
reminds us of His faithfulness, reminds us of His goodness that is ever continued, that, that comes from Him, that is of Him, reminds us of the love of God that is the source of our life, but sustains us in our life, but as well, He sends this love to us in our time of need, but He sends love truly in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came out of a heart of love for sinners to purchase them by His blood. And we find in, the, in here in this letter, 1 John, that he says that God is light, God is love. Therefore, God's people are to live in light and to live in love. Now, what it means to love here, those that love are born of God and knoweth God, as he says, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. This tells us something, though, about the lost world. Those who don't know Jesus that there is no real love there. There is no real peace there. You, you can have what the world calls love, but that's not what God calls love. What the world says, this is love, or this is right. The world today is, is all sorts of mixed up about love. Today, where God expresses what love is, the world would say that love is love but do so in a fashion that allows for any sort of wicked relationship to take place. Love here must never be according to the world's standards, but must always be according to God's standards. And if we truly have love, he says it was because we're born of Him, we're born again, and that we know Him. There is no knowledge of true love outside of knowing and experiencing the love of God, everything else falls short. Even the love that you have for your spouse or your child pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. That should encourage our hearts. And this isn't some Joel Osteen sermonette, smile, God, God is love. This is what God tells us. God truly loves you. You, you should have your heart assured and filled by that fact that there's nothing that you've ever done, nothing that you ever could do, that God just loves you because it's who He is. And that is a proof, as Cruz writes, that born of God is best explained by reference to the fourth gospel. John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 emphasizes that people become children of God not by natural birth, but, but being born of God. In John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born from above or born again. And this is equivalent to being born of the Spirit. Being born of God then is quite distinct from natural human procreation. It is brought about by God through His Spirit in conjunction with faith in Christ on the part of those concerned. It is you and I see the love of God. We repent of our sins because of His goodness and we trust in Him by faith. And then we truly get to experience His love and then in turn to love each other. And this love is an assurance of our salvation, a condition of our salvation as well. As another one writes, Stott, he says, he then continues by developing his first argument for brotherly love, which is based on God's eternal nature. He states it twice. First, for love comes from God, and secondly, because God is love. Since God is the source and origin, is the word ek, meaning out of in the Greek, um, is out of love, and all true love derives from Him, it stands to reason that everyone who loves, that is, loves either God or neighbor 
with that selfless devotion which alone is true love according to John's teaching has been born of God and knows God. I've dealt with those a lot who struggle with their assurance of salvation, right? And let's be real honest. Probably every believer in this room this morning has had those doubts, those struggles at times in life. And the thing that I often like to do is this, a, great, a little great way, and this is not from me, is, is this. Someone comes and says, I'm struggling. I just have doubts sometimes. I, I, I know Christ. I've trusted in Him, but I'm just having one of those times, one of those seasons. You know what I'm talking about? Right? We all go through those seasons. I've asked this question. Is One, do you love God? You know when the response is yes? Ask, do you love God as much as you should? The answer is always no. But here's the, here's the key. If you actually have an ounce of love for God, it is because you are of Him. Because if you are not of God, what does the Bible tell us about those who don't know Christ? We're at enmity with Him, meaning we're enemies. We're rebels. We're against Him. So we're not of Him. We don't, we don't love, right? When you're lost, you don't have a love for God. You do not have a love for God until you've been changed in your heart through repentance and faith by that love of God. So when your heart begins to, to, to trip you up, he says in, in 1 John 3.20, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. The devil will whisper lies and deceit. There will be times in your life where you just don't feel this way. Our walk is not about feelings. Your salvation is not about feelings. Your sanctification is not about feelings. It is about the finished work of Jesus and what He has done on the cross. When He says it is finished, it means it's finished past, present, and future. An expression of true love shows evidence of true salvation. Even a love that is not perfect all the time towards God. I want you to know, if you beat yourself up this morning because you don't love God like you ought to, you were looking at a pastor who, this is, this is my life. And guess what? I don't love God like I ought to. I have to pray just like you do. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Lord, help me to love you. i gotta pray. I got to pray this morning on Sunday mornings, taking a walk. Lord, help me to love you so I can love my wife and I can love the people. Even though all of them's heathen. <laughs> right? Right? You think about this, but we have to pray. We seek God because there are these times where, Lord, I'm just struggling to love today, but God, I know I'm of You. I know that You love and You can send love and You can give love and You can help me to express love because that's who You are. Lord, help me. It is not a natural thing in our flesh to love those who are against us. It is not a natural thing in our flesh to love those that we don't know. It is not a natural thing in our flesh to love perfectly and completely and totally sacrificially, but it is of God. And if we are of God, then this is something that God can give to us in a confidence of our faith, but as well as in a continuing in our walk with Him. Real love brings about real salvation, but real salvation brings about real love. Have it together. Now, he says then in verse 8, sort of the opposite here. He says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. So let me break that down for you. If you don't love, or you ain't got no love, all right, 
then that means you don't know God. Some of y'all, I ain't going to sing it because I'm not a singer, but y'all know that song? Oh, you don't love God if you... Okay, thank you. One of you knows it. The rest of y'all need to listen to some gospel songs, okay? If you don't love your neighbor and you... Uh, yes, yeah, see? I told y'all. Uh, there it is. All right, that's my special, right? But you think about this. A real, genuine love of God. So if you don't have love... All right, we're good. All right. See, y'all needed that to wake up. That was, that that was of the Lord right there. That wasn't me. I couldn't make that happen again if I tried. So love. <laughs> if you don't have love, it's truly as simple as if you don't have love in your heart, love for one another, it's because you don't know God. That's perhaps one of the scariest things that there ever has been because how many people that I know and have seen and experienced and how many people that you know, and, and sadly, and I don't know this today, but you might be one of those people who will sit in a Bible-preaching church in comfortable pews and will sing all the hymns and will even know the gospel songs that Pastor Joe doesn't know is good, but he knows that one little part. But you will sit there without a true love in your heart. You will love your, your preferences. You'll love your clique until they make you mad and you'll find a new one or kick somebody out. Right? You'll love the certain songs that you love. You'll love the certain messages or preachers that you love. But all those things don't add up to knowing God. There are many churches who have big roles, members galore, who sit but don't know God and don't have an ounce of love for God or truly for the church. They love the idea of church. They love the idea of God because He gives me things. Love the idea of it. But don't have the real love. Cruz writes here, the point here is that the absence of love for one another is evidence that a person does not know God because God is love. And there can be no real knowledge of God which is not expressed in love for fellow believers. This is where we end today. Before I break my microphone or something. This is important for us. We're coming into a season where we're getting ready to have revival meetings and things, right? We're getting ready to have kids clubs starting up and some other ministries and we have some needs for some volunteers for for just simple little things and stuff, right? But we're at this place where we can, one, continue doing what we want to do for us and be inward and focused on just making sure that I get what I need out of church. Or we can come to the realization that church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Because the church is Jesus' church. He's the one that bought it. Jesus is the one that gave the pews. Jesus is the one that gives the sound system. Jesus is the one that... This is His. And He is a God who loves us. Therefore, we need to be a people who not only know the love of God, but show the love of God. And it's not going to begin outwardly to lost people that you don't know. 
It has got to begin in the house of the Lord. If you say you want to reach our community, and we say that as a church because we want that as a church, amen? But if we're going to do that, the first thing that's got to happen is we've got to love those inside of here. So I would challenge you today, and myself as well, that we would make sure that we are growing in a love of God and a love for His people. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this time, grateful that we can study Your Word and, and, and just see Your goodness and Your love towards us, God. I pray that we would be able to exemplify that, to know it more and, and deeper and, and grow in, in such a love, Lord, that we would share and have a real love for one another, God. Help us to love You today. Help us to love each other. Help us to love Your Word. And God, that now as well, Lord, we do pray that You would prepare our hearts for this worship service, God, that You would be glorified in all things. And Lord, that we would sing to You, that we would have fellowship with You and with one another. We, we love You and we're grateful for this day. In Christ's name, Amen. All right, shall we take a pause for the calls? Any guys that want to come pray, we've got a prayer room right over here. And any ladies that want to come pray, they got one right over there in that hallway.